Welcome to The Fix, the podcast made for the trades, where we sit down with inspiring individuals across the trades to discuss their unique take on the industry, including career paths, job site stories, overcoming challenges, and everything in between. I'm your host, Catherine, a marketer here at Odie, with my co-host and friend, Doug, one of Odie's resident experts in all things trades. The Fix is more than a podcast. It's a community, a community built to support tradespeople and inspire the next generation of essential pros. Let's start the conversation. Well, welcome back, listeners. I'm so excited for another great episode of The Fix. Doug, we've got a really great conversation today and one that continues to be a little bit different. This season two is really changing things up for us. I'm really excited about today. Yeah, and today's guest, I mean, he's like a four-leaf clover, Catherine. I mean, he's bringing, he's got experience. Yeah. He knows how to talk about it, explain it to, you know, the other individuals out there that want to learn about it. Yeah. He can photograph it. Yeah. Okay. And he expects, you know, the best possible outcomes on every project he does. I love it. How about that? We now have a four-leaf clover uh, description. So welcome, Patrick, who is the senior editor at Fine Home Building Magazine. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you. I- I'm, I'm curious. Have you ever heard that description of yourself before? No, but I'm blushing. I, you, can you see me? I'm yeah. turning red over here, Doug. Thank you. <laughs> well, wonderful. Well, hey, Patrick, why don't you go ahead and kick it off for us and tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you've ended up in the role you're in today. Well, probably we just talk, first talk about Fine Home Building, the brand I work for, uh, part of the Taunton Press. And for more than 40 years, uh, Fine Home Building has been the go-to to resource for folks who care about the craft of home building. The company's uh, motto is inspiration for hands-on living, and I think that sums up the uh, products that we produce, meant to satisfy the need of folks who need a higher level information for whatever interest they may have, whether it be gardening, sewing, woodworking, or home building. That's really cool. So how did you uh, start your career within the trades? Well, it is a very long uh, (laughs) story, but I'll try and keep it brief. So I was one of those young people who was out in the woods building tree houses, making ramps for my BMX bicycles, Nice, taking stuff apart, uh, probably when I was 10 years old and it had grown my little red pedal powered fire engine. Mm -hmm. My next challenge was to take it completely apart in my parents' basement. And I did. And my dad came down probably an hour or two later and just was kind of aghast at how I had spread uh, very little fasteners and parts all over the basement taking this thing apart. <laughs> so I grew up in in the Pittsburgh area in the mid 80s. And, uh, uh, you know, in that time, uh, the Rust Belt was probably in its, uh, in its toughest period. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks who worked with their hands in the Pittsburgh area we're suddenly finding themselves out of work because a lot of jobs were moving to uh, southern part of the U.S. or to Asia. Yeah. And uh, so my folks who uh, neither of them went to college really wanted me to go to college. And my guidance counselor pressured me. But I really wanted to be an electrician. But I decided to stick it out. And I went to Slippery Rock University and I took a communication program because I wanted to do something hands on once again. So sure. I took a lot of radio and TV production and uh, it would prove to be a wise choice later in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but when I, 
when I got out of school, I decided I did not want to sit up. I sit behind a desk all the time. Mm -hmm. And I started uh, a handyman business with no business doing that. I took out an ad in a bunch of local uh, newspapers and started my handyman business. And I did all kinds of stuff, painting and electrical wiring. I replaced a water heater. I did some deck building. I did some uh, retaining walls. And uh, I was making a little money and paying back my student loans. But my dad came to me one time and he said, uh, you know, what are you doing? I was like, what are you talking about? I started a business. He's yeah. like, yeah, but do you have health insurance? I was like, well, no. He's like, <laughs> do you want to live in our house for the rest of your life? I'm like, no. He's like, well, I think you should go check out this organization that uh, recently was in the newspaper in Pittsburgh and it was Habitat for Humanity. And mm. I had previously learned about the organization from one of my college professors. And uh, I went and started volunteering there. And a little bit later, they hired me as a construction supervisor first uh, part time and then full time. And then through no special talent of my own, I was the uh, director of construction by the time I left there, like six years later, wow. um, through attrition mostly. And uh, uh, I met my wife there at the time, and she wanted to move back to Vermont. So I took a job at a, a, a lumberyard outside of Burlington and learned mm -hmm. that aspect of the industry. And that's where I met um, the editor of uh, JLC, Don Jackson, who was building his own home at the time. And he bugged me for a while to come uh, interview for a job at, on the editorial staff at JLC, which is one of Fine Home Building's, uh, you know, competitors. And uh, uh, I didn't take him up on that. But in the time between my starting at JLC, <clears throat> my wife and I bought a house in Stowe, which was about 60 miles away from my lumberyard job. And mm -hmm. it was proving to be untenable to drive all that way. Sure. So I took a, a job at the local hardware store and... Um, I liked the job well enough. I loved helping people uh, solve their problems and fix their stuff around the house. But uh, the owner of the business and I butted heads almost immediately. And uh, it wasn't a year later that uh, he uh, asked me to leave. And I called up my old friend, Don Jackson, and uh, got an editorial job at JLC. And I loved it. And I learned how to take photography on job sites so we could explain to folks who read the publication how to, to do complex construction methods and yeah. learn about construction technologies. And um, in 2008, when the economy completely tanked, uh, JLC's parent company laid off about half of their editorial staff, and I was one of the folks who was let go. Mm -hmm. And I found myself uh, at Taunton Press working at Fine Woodworking. Um, and I did that for a year. Uh, and then a position uh, came up at Fine Home Building, and I knew that was my true love. So sure. uh, I applied for that job, and that's been, I think it's 12 and a half years now. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, it really took your schooling as well as then your passion and kind of combined both of them together for you. It's pretty weird. I could have not plotted the uh, career path to get me where I am today, but it seems like all the pieces were there to help. And uh, a lot of great mentors who, who got me here to where I am. Yeah, that's fantastic. Patrick, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, me being from the job site world, a lot. I used to be able to take a print and I used to be able to read it and talk to my guys about it. And we would know what we had to build. Okay. I'm completely fascinated by writers. Okay. And editors, the person that can take a few photographs and a little bit of information, and then you can put it down in words and then just absolutely make me close my eyes and see what's going on there. Can you tell me how that process goes through your head? Oh my God, it's a good question, Doug. And it's one that's probably taken me 10 or more years to uh, figure it out. But 
Um, I guess you try and imagine the information that the person who's going to do it, do this needs and, uh, having a background as a carpenter, I think that helps me, uh, to do that. Um, and one of the great things about being an editor at Taunton is we have a lot of tools. Uh, the brand has always been recognized for its really good three-dimensional drawings uh, that can convey a lot of information uh, in a relatively small space. And folks who are in trade work or work with their hands are used to seeing things in 3D, are used to looking at plans, are used to seeing pictures to explain what they need to, to know. So that's one of the tools we use. And photographs can to, can teach a lot too. A good photograph that's well lit and can uh, demonstrate the, the the step that you're looking at is hugely helpful. And then the words, I think, are often the vehicle to explain the why. Uh, I, I choose to do this method or I choose this product because I've used this other one in the past and it didn't work, or I tried this method and the inspector didn't like it, or I found this made a huge mess that upset the client. So I think if you can pull from these various tools out of the box, you you learn to use them for what they're best at, uh, at explaining or how they best explain something. Well, I tell you, from what I've seen of your work, I mean, you do an absolutely fantastic job at that. Oh, thank you. Well, that leads me to a great point. So, Patrick, how do you kind of keep up on new products and technology? How does that work? Uh it's probably best explained by my own uh, complete nerdiness uh, with the subject <laughs> area. I do find it of great interest no matter uh, what I'm doing in my life, right? I was reading the New York Times today, uh, and I I've stumbled across, across a real estate story about how uh, real estate agents use this flowery language to describe houses. And I, I don't know, I just seem to gravitate it to it and... Uh, I, I love new and problem-solving products because I, I've had so many struggles in my own projects or working mm -hmm. at Habitat or working for fan, friends and family members that, I don't know, when you find something that works really good, it, it, is, it just like clicks on my boxes. So... Patrick, tell me a little bit too about your relationship on social media with those, um, you know, you refer to yourself as a serial remodeler and, you know, can you tell me a little bit about how that name came to be and, and how you connect with those on social media? Well, I guess serial remodeler refers to the fact that, you know, and the price point of homes, my wife and I have bought twice, uh, you need to make some changes. You yeah, need to make sure. some improvements. We just can't afford a house that suits all of our needs or uh, is even, you know, they've been livable, but barely in the first case. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just a matter of uh, fixing things to your needs as time and money uh, uh, allow. And uh, it, it, I think it helps keep me Grounded in the work I do, I think it's really easy for folks and in, in, uh, who have worked for fine home building or other construction media to over glamorize the work. Mm -hmm. um, it seems very uh, it glamorous, right? But sure. sometimes it's awful. It's horrible weather. Yeah. It's just backbreaking work. <laughs> and uh, I think we need to be reminded of that to be useful in our jobs is that, you know, sometimes the easy solution is is a good one. And uh, that's OK. Right. No, that's a great perspective. I think showing people all the different sides is really important. Not the one that you see on HGTV where everything appears like that next day, right? 
my colleagues and I like to remind ourselves that we show the hard parts. It's it's mm-hmm. the 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 part that the folks really need to know um, that is glossed over in those home improvement shows on cable television. Uh, you know. What happens when you open up the wall and there's a drain line there as an example, uh, or a giant electrical cable running to an air handler, you know, um, that makes great television because it's drama, but somebody has to fix that. Right. Yeah. uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, Patrick, the, the true technicians come out. Okay. Anybody can build something in a vanilla box. Like my dad, he used to tell me when we were growing up, I could build anything out of square and make it work. <laughs> okay, <laughs> So he says, you're going to definitely be a technician probably someday. But the thing is, you know, vanilla box television, it looks great. But unfortunately, it encourages a lot of people to attempt projects that once they get into them, then they have no place to go. And that's why it's so important for our professionals to constantly be out there advertising, you know, and then learning themselves as they go. Uh, one of the questions I have is with you being such a great writer and, you know, person that can show the images mentally through there, why'd you decide to go with the podcast? Um, I love talking to people. I really do. And, um, you know, I didn't start the fine home building podcast, but I, I, really enjoyed, uh, being on it. And I think, uh, it became a natural fit for me to start hosting it. And, uh, I guess I just love talking about home improvement with my peers. It was kind of the genesis of the fine home building podcast was, you know, we would sit around at the lunch table and I'll talk about our own projects and, uh, offer building science consulting or construction techniques, uh, to each other. And, um, you know, uh, other folks found it entertaining to who may have been at other tables. Uh, and, you know, I might be projecting a little bit there, but uh, <laughs> it seemed like it would be a good fit for, uh, you know, a, a podcast. And they were taking off at the time. And a Q&A show is a natural, uh, intimate uh, uh, form for, for a podcast. And it just seemed like a good fit. And um, uh, I think maybe my communication background, uh, you know, performing for camera, uh, writing scripts, like I'm sure that helped me to a degree. But I think perhaps the single biggest thing is just a, a great interest interest in the subject matter. Mm-hmm. OK, well, I used to find that the technicians in the field, I'd have one of three individuals. I'd have an individual that I could talk to. He would visualize it, understand it and go do it. I had another one who I'd had I could have conversation with. I could show them a drawing, they could go and do it. And then I had the third that I would have to talk to, show a drawing, demonstrate how to do it, and then they'd be able to accomplish it. And I think by you having the podcast and your articles that you write, you're actually covering all three of those, which makes it virtually impossible for someone to fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we try and at least get them uh up the learning curve to a degree, right? You know, there's always going to be things that arise that you can't anticipate. Uh, Construction is, there's so many things outside your control, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, that you just have to work with. And uh, I I think, I think problem solvers are naturally attracted to trade work and Mm -hmm. to construction, right? Because you like getting things done. You like solving problems that that uh, come up. You you might find yourself waking up in the middle of the night 
with a solution to this thing that's been troubling you. And boy, is that satisfying. I think you'd agree. Yeah, absolutely. I used to tell my guys all the time, the only thing that's going to be consistent in construction is inconsistency. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so. there's few things in in our, you know, modern world that are a prototype every time. Yep. Uh, even new homes that are the same in a subdivision have different finishes or different fixtures, or they were built on a different day by different people. And, uh, you know, all that translates into to having to deal with stuff as it comes up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, trade media. And so could you kind of talk me through, you know, explain why you feel working within trade media industry would be a great career path for someone and getting connected to the trades, but also having a path in communication? Well, I think it's the perfect job for the right person. Uh, someone who's interested in teaching and who has an interest in, in in working with their hands, I think is the perfect candidate for something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I am the first to admit that I was not a good writer when I started this work. I had some news writing classes in college, but I wrote in very staccato sentences. It was hard to read. Mm -hmm. um, I had to learn that and I was trained that. Once again, I had some photography training. I had a, you know, an interest in uh, darkroom techniques oh, sure. uh, in college. Once again, hands-on, I wanted to be printing my own photographs. Right. But I had to be trained to do the work I do for Taunton. Um, so if you're willing to learn and you have an interest in working with your hands, I, you know, I would tell you to go for it. And there's a lot of opportunity. I have little patience for folks who say, you know, I want to be an artist. I want to be a musician. I want to be a writer. I was like, well, do those things. Mm -hmm. Start writing songs, start playing music, start writing articles, start taking pictures, start painting, whatever it is. Right. You know, if you're, if you're waiting for an invite from somebody, uh, it's probably not going to happen. You have to be your own advocate and, uh, get where you want with your career. Yeah. Very true. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about from your standpoint, kind of how you see the trades, how they've evolved over the years and kind of where you see the future of the trades going. It's been sad uh, to watch. Like, so um, my grandfather was a union plumber. Mm -hmm. My other grandfather was a chauffeur in a period where chauffeurs like had to fix and work on cars, probably daily because they were mm -hmm. very unreliable mm -hmm. and hard to operate. Um, and those were respected jobs. But by the time I was in high school, it was seen as the track for the folks who were left behind academically. Right. And it's not to say they weren't smart or there's no judgment there. It's just right. like someone decided that they were not ready for college for whatever reason. And whether they had an interest or not, they were channeled into, uh, vote technical programs. Right. Sure. Yep. And, um, you know, I had my guidance counselor and my parents say to me, and I remember my good friend, Andy Engel saying the same thing. You're too smart to be a carpenter. You're too smart to be an electrician. Mm. And that makes me so sad. It made me sad at the time because the sure. trades need really smart people, right? These yep. are, <laughs> these are hard jobs that yeah. require training and problem solving skills. And what you need is to be smart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
No, it's true. And I, we talk about this often that, um, you know, how do we as a, as a collective group continue to have this conversation to help, uh, you know, push forward positive, uh, dialogue and, and views into really what the trades are. Just like you said, Doug will talk about it too, that he could probably read a tape measure better than anyone else can, uh, being in the trades or understanding math. You have to learn all these things to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Patrick, I think you would agree. I mean, work ethic is is your biggest key. You know, you have to show up, you have to be ready, you have to want to be successful. But then after that, I mean, you know, reading, like like just reading a print and understanding dimensions, people don't know how difficult that is. But once you learn how to do it, how easy it is and how much information there is in those 57 pages of that print. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are skills that no one even talks about, like how to deal with clients. You are, you know, oftentimes the face of your company. So how you handle yourself and how you deal with adversity has a huge effect on the success of your company. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it, it might mean that this good client uh, has a long-term relationship with your company or they run the other way screaming for maybe good reason, you know? Right, right. So I kind of end every single one of our podcasts with this. And if you can kind of give us your thoughts here, Patrick, is what do you see as your hopes and dreams and aspirations for the trades in general? What do you hope that you see in the future kind of change or what they look like? That's a really good question. I would love to see tradespeople get as much, you know, respect from society as doctors, lawyers, bankers, mm-hmm. nurse, other professionals, you know. Uh, the work is at, is at least as tough and it is at least as important. You know, shelter is a basic human need. Yeah. Why Why are investment bankers uh, given all this uh, social status? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, our retirement accounts are important. But boy, when your plumbing is broken, uh, yep. you tell me what you're worried about in that moment. Absolutely. Is it your retirement account or your house flooding? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we <laughs> yeah. saw that during the pandemic. You know, and and hopefully I think that that really did open up a little bit more people's perspective. So absolutely. And I, w- I w- would love for us to um, respect folks and their decisions to uh, want to do trade work. I know a lot of especially mm-hmm. middle class parents are, are, you know, recoil at the thought of their kids wanting to, to work in trade work. And I wish we could teach them how important it is. And honestly, how you can make a really good living now, especially, right. um, and help people and enjoy your work. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to be miserable every day of your life doing a job you don't want to do, why would you want someone to do that? Right. Absolutely. That's a recurring theme that we have here. It is. It is. And I think a lot of it is that letting parents know and letting counselors know um, and educating the student too, that there's so many opportunities out there for them to have. So they just need to, we need to continue to tell them the story. So, well, Patrick, thank you so much for your time today. It was so nice to meet you and get to know you a little bit more and, and learn a little bit more about fine home building. We appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you so much. You Thank have a you. Great day. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Fix. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss our next conversation dropping every Wednesday. If you have feedback about the show or a topic you'd like to see covered, send us an email 
at thefixatod.com or give us a shout out on social media. We would love to connect with you. Don't forget, you can get your daily fix by visiting odi.com and we'll catch you next time.